you give it to the Wendy's? What can I get for you? Can I have sex? You want sex? No, stupid. Number six. Oh. Perfect Blue is a Japanese animated thriller film released in 1997 and directed by Satoshi Kon. Perfect Blue tells the story of Mima, a J-pop group member who pursues a different career path, much to the dismay of a fan, which results in various murders. The movie is available on Plex. Please consider watching this film before joining us for the discussion portion of the show. Spoiler alerts are ahead. Mima, a member of the J-pop group Cham, has decided to leave the group to pursue an acting career. She receives fan mail with a link to a website called Mima's Room. In this website, journal entries are posted about her daily life in great detail. However, she is disturbed by it, as she is clearly not the one posting anything. The one responsible behind Mima's Room is an obsessive fan named Memania, who is seen stalking her. Mima begins her acting career doing minor roles. Her agent, Mr. Tarokoro, is able to get Mima a bigger role on a show. However, it involves her acting out a rape scene. Mima's agent, Rumi, is vehemently against it, but Mima decides to do it anyway. Affected by the scene, as well as the paranoia for the Mima's Room website, Mima begins to see her reflection in the mirror talking to her, with her reflection telling her that she is the real Mima. People who are helpful to Mima's acting career mysteriously get murdered. It is even worse as Mima finds evidence of the murders inside her home as she struggles to tell apart real life from her thoughts due to the added stress. Memania makes his way to the set and attempts to rape and murder Mima on the instructions of the woman Mima sees in her reflections. However, Mima uses a hammer to wound him. Rumi finds a distraught Mima and takes her home, but then reveals to Mima that she was the one responsible for Mima's room and used Memania to take blame from it, thus revealing that Rumi has another personality pretending to be Mima's pop idol persona. Angered by leaving Cham, Rumi feels that it's her duty to destroy and replace her. Rumi chases Mima through her apartment complex, but is injured with a shard of glass, resulting in Rumi approaching oncoming traffic, but Mima saves her. As time passes on, Mima, now a successful actress, visits Rumi who is now in a mental hospital. The film ends with Rumi's doctor informing Mima that Rumi continues to pretend to be a pop idol. As Mima gets into her car, she looks in the mirror and assures herself that she is the real Mima. You know, I stumbled upon something, brother. What was that? Mind if I share with you and as well as all the other ones listening no. to this? No, go ahead. All right, brother. Are you familiar with the Pinocchio theory? Doesn't sound familiar. All right. So to you, brother, and everyone listening out there, everyone is aware that when Pinocchio tells a lie, his nose grows, correct? Yep. So what would happen if Pinocchio said, my nose is about to grow right now. Oh, nice. Very clever. Right? Like it. <laughs> so he, the, his nose wouldn't be able to grow because he wouldn't be telling a lie. But if it doesn't grow, that means he's lying. Yes. It's a... Uh... But it can't grow because he didn't tell a lie. Yeah. 
I feel like there's a philosophical term for this. But I just can't think of it right now. Like a paradox or? Yeah, something like that, I think. You know what I think? I think the motherfucker would just blow up. <laughs> yeah, he wouldn't be able to handle what the fuck just happened with this mindfuck of a question. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like, wasn't there like a Ren and Stimpy cartoon where something like that happened and the, the world blew up or something? <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm thinking of the wrong cartoon. Just a little bit of food for thought for you, brother, and to everyone listening right here. So welcome, everybody, to episode number 26, season three, episode one of Beer in a Movie with the Wee Side Boys. We're your hosts, fantastic as always. I'm Tiki the Dominator. And I'm Danny. And damn, brother, season three. Yeah. I got I to gotta say, man, when, you know, we did a lot of the episodes in advance for last season. So everybody, you know, got their content every week, very consistent. Yet we took a nice little break. Yeah. And I got to say, brother, I'm well rested. I'm rejuvenated. I'm ready to get into season three, brother. What do you think? What, what about you? Um, It's a little bit warm right now. <laughs> it's fucking but, hot, bro. <laughs> but yes, uh, I'll agree. The break was nice. I think we had, what, three or four weeks almost, right? Yeah. Almost a month. Yep. It was great. Mm. It's fucking hot. Yes. It, it really is. is fucking hot. So I can't wait to get into uh, these beers right now, brother. Mm-hmm. So like, I'm really fucking thirsty. But uh, for all of you that are new to the podcast, first of all, welcome. All right. We are that podcast that reviews movies, uh, some hitting gems, as you will. Of course, we review beer as well. Sometimes we associate a beer with the movie. Sometimes it doesn't work out like that. But we do with what we can. Right, brother? Yes. And we're going to get into this movie that is Perfect Blue, an absolute mindfuck of a film that was recommended to us. We'll get into that a little later. And we're going to discuss the plot, the characters, all that good shit. But three seasons into this now, y'all should know by now that the discussion of this movie does not start without opening up some beers. So, brother, let them know what we got tonight. Tonight, we are drinking a classic. We are drinking a brew from Mother Earth. Called Cali Creamin. Yes, sir. This is a beer that it uh not a stranger to us, bro. We've had this many, many times. Mm-hmm. This is very good. I'm gonna take a quick sip because it's fucking hot. Mm-hmm. Cheers, brother. Cheers. Already took a swig. <laughs> <laughs> I don't blame you. It is fucking hot today, like we've mentioned already. Yes. I am sweating through this shirt. Fuck. There's no <laughs> AC in here, but fuck it. Yeah, we uh I've been to hell and back, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> but uh, yeah, brother, this is a good beer. It's really tasty. I haven't had it in a few years, but I am digging this. Yeah. I can't remember the last time I've had it. I know it's been a while. I don't know if it's yeah. been years, but it's been a, been a minute. Yep. And this beer was actually recommended to us by the gentleman that also recommended this movie. So we're going to do the shout out of the week to him. We're also going to do story time with Tiki. But first, I'm going to take two swigs because it's fucking hot. Hmm. All right, brother? Fuck. Cheers. Here's another. Cheers. Fuck, it's hot. And and I think I'm like halfway done with the can already. Yeah, me too. Yeah. But let's, no more bitching. Let's get right into it. Let's do it. Shout out of the week goes to the good brother, Nick Herman. Cheers, brother. Much love to you. Got some very fucking funny stories. Got to say, uh, Nick works with us, brother. I don't yeah. know if you've ever met him. Right? Uh, I don't think so, but... Yeah, dude, so it's got to say this. That uh, I take my lunch at 2 in the morning, right? So <laughs> yeah. he's always right there. Most of the time, he's right there. 
couple other dudes. Right, we're just shooting the shit, you know. And then, uh, you know, the discussion of movies comes up a lot. Uh, just stories about when we were kids and stuff like that, you know. So he's told me a grip of stories. I'm not gonna tell all of them because it's some pretty fucked up ones. I know he's fucking laughing right now, <laughs> but there's there's one story he told me that fucking had me drop into a knee. It made me laugh so hard. And uh, so here we go, brother. Everybody's favorite segment, story time with Tiki. Let's do this, brother. Let's do it. All right. So, with the permission of the good brother Nick, he told <laughs> he told me this story that when he was in high school, him and his brother, I believe, is what he said. So he was they were trying to persuade their cousin uh, to join them in the the wrestling team, mm. right? So they're like, he was like, "Come on, so like, don't be a little big. Just come after school and check it out and stuff like that," you know. And and so then his his cousin shows up during practice and he's like, "Where are the chairs? Where are the ladders?" Like, because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he thought it was WWF yeah, style yeah. of wrestling and yeah, shit. Yeah. Like, this isn't wrestling, you know? Yeah, yeah. Fucking the whole South Park shit, <laughs> you know? And that shit had me laughing so hard. It's way better how he told the story because he was obviously like like laughing at it uh-huh. and shit like that. But dude, I was laughing so hard. Like, I dropped to like one knee. Nice. I'm not like, dude, when I was a kid, I wanted to be a wrestler too. <laughs> shit, I wish I could have been in a ladder match with Jeff Hardy, Swanton mm-hmm. Bomb and all that shit. You know, so cheers to the good brother Nick for that fucking story. That was fucking fantastic. And I got one more other story, brother. And this one, this one was like pretty fucking cool because it, we got to go way back to episode one, brother. Ooh. The strange thing about the Johnsons, right? Favorite. Yeah. So <laughs> Nick, Nick was one of the... One of the few that listened to it on the first day it came out, dude. Yeah. Right? Since then, it's fucking got grip of listens and shit, you know? But Nick was one of the first ones, and I remember he told me, like, hey, dude, I, I checked out the podcast. So I was, like, super grateful for that, you know? And then he told me that that his lady had checked out the the episode and checked out the movie. And here's where it takes a turn, brother. Okay? So he told me that his lady had reached out of all people her grandmother to watch (laughs) the strange thing about the johnsons dude like i that would be one of the last movies i would ever recommend to my grandma uh yeah Yeah, anybody actually yeah anybody yeah my grandma and i watched tangled and you know that movie tangled (laughs) yeah good movie by the way animated but shit the strange thing about the johnsons would not even be in a discussion to yeah. even go near around my grandma, dude. Yep. But I thought that was so fucking funny. It was hilarious. And, you know, the strange thing about the Johnsons reached a bunch of people, I want to say, because of us, dude. So cheers to Nick. Cheers to his lady and his lady's grandmother. Cheers to you. Cheers. Swig for the good men. Mm-hmm. Holy shit. How are we going to top that, dude? I don't know. <laughs> Just got to keep drinking then, huh? Yeah. But all right, brother. It gets uh, after pretty much finishing this can because we're thirsty ass motherfuckers right now. Yep. It's time to rank the beer, dude. What do you got? Let's do it. I'll go first this time. All right. Mother Earth. I've always enjoyed the brewery. Yep. Uh, I can't remember the first time. I think I think the first time I had a Mother Earth beer was over 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was it this one? I think it was this yeah. one, but I've yeah, always... this was the first time I uh, first time I had Mother Earth. It was it was Cali Creamin. Yeah. Anyways, I still stand by it. This is the best cream ale that I've ever had. Mm-hmm. I've tried a bunch. None of them have come close. This beer is a nice, solid drink. I will say, 
it's very polarizing. Everyone you meet that has tried this beer, they're either going to love it or they're going to hate it. Yeah. I've never met anybody who was just like, eh, it's in the middle. So it's either one or the other. I happen to fall into the love it category. I think it's a great cream ale. I am going to give it a four out of five. Fantastic shit right there, brother. And uh, actually, I got I got a little story before I get into my ranking, brother. All right. Because I remember uh, we, we've been to Mother Earth quite a bit of times. Yes, right? we have. And there was uh, one time we went with uh shout out to the good brother ned nava fucking shout out number eight thousand seven hundred and fifty five or whatever it approximately is that many shout outs to him yeah but i remember we went to mother earth dude and we had the sampler mm-hmm. right yeah and uh you know so i get whatever the fuck it was you know and ned he he has he makes this like weird face i say oh, he's making this weird face and and i asked him like what's going on dude what's wrong and he's like oh, i didn't like the beer i go what are you drinking he's like oh i'm drinking the ginger Remember that one, brother, Ginger? Yeah, I think beer? it was it was Call Me Ginger, right? Call Me Ginger, yeah. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah. so I was like, what's wrong with it? He's like, uh, it's too gingery. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, yeah, that's probably going to happen, dude. You know? <laughs> but yeah, swig for, for Ned right here. Cheers. Mm-hmm. But for me, as far as this ranking, uh, even though it's a beer that's on the lighter side, man, I mm-hmm. really enjoy this. I prefer it on tap, but I'm also going to give it a four out of five. Nice. It's a good beer, man. I really yeah. do like it. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I'm not digging it too much in a can. I know I'm a bit of a snob right here. <laughs> and I should like it more because it's fucking sweating balls over here, brother. Yeah, I don't but, know. Uh, I, I yeah. feel like it doesn't taste that difference between the uh, tap and a can to me, at least this beer. But uh, maybe you're on to something. Yeah. And uh, those are our rankings, man. And then we're going to get into this movie, dude. Perfect Blue. All right, and then it, it's cool that uh, Nick uh, recommended us this beer for Perfect Blue. Uh, not not just because the can is blue, but you got a little yeah. theory behind it, right, brother? Why uh, it fits perfectly? Yeah, I remember you told me that he recommended this beer, and you're a bit apprehensive about it. But I said, oh, you know, it actually kind of makes sense because this movie covers a pop idol star, right? She's yep. supposed to be bubbly and like a good image, right? And yeah. this this beer is a cream ale. And creamsicles are supposed to be like light, fluffy, and you know, appeal to the masses. Yep. So I feel like it was a good fit. Yeah. So I agree, man. And uh, yeah, I'm actually kind of glad, dude, because I haven't had this in a while. I always see it at the store. Yeah. You know, this is definitely one of their most popular brews. It probably is their best or most popular. Dude, I think so. Yeah. For sure. But yeah, brother. All right. So perfect blue, man. Let's get into the, let's get into the premise of this. All right, bro. So we were, you already mentioned that it's a um, it's a pop idol right her name uh-huh. is mima so she's in a in a group called cham and she wants to pursue different career paths so she decides to be an actress and there's a lot of uh, like gossip around how yeah people don't want her to quit to go into this actress so there's a lot of like obsessive fans mm. around this right and because of this an obsessive fan goes to the extreme and starts murdering people because of her career career choice yeah change you know so morbid shit there um i will say also this bro is that when nick uh recommended us this movie i i knew nothing about this movie dude absolutely fucking nothing all right so he told me pretty much to go in blind and i don't really like going into movies blind i like to know kind of at least i at least want to know the premise or i at least want to know a little bit of what i'm getting myself into but all he told me was that it's that there is a a scene in this movie 
that Requiem for a Dream used it. And I said, okay, cool. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to check it out for sure then. Because I fucking love Requiem for a Dream. We've covered that movie already. So I said, fuck it. Let's do it. You yeah. know? Uh, you you haven't watched it, right, brother? This was like new to you as well? No, I have not seen this movie. But I did have it in my queue, I guess you could mm -hmm. say. I forgot if I had it on my radar just from reading about it somewhere. But I also remember one of our previous co-workers recommended it to me. You want to give he, him a shout out, dude? He's a uh, listener. Yeah. Little Jose Gonzalez. Pack Rim. Yeah. Cheers to you, brother. Yeah. Wherever you are out there, man. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're doing well, brother. But yeah. Cheers he, to you. He enjoyed this movie and he said that I should watch it. And I believe I had already heard about it at the time. So it's it's been on my radar for a while, but I haven't watched it until this podcast. Cool, cool, cool. So we already mentioned the premise of this. So now let's get into the characters. We already mentioned Mima who is the pop idol who goes through, I don't want to give too many spoilers yet, but I, I we're just going to go that she changes career paths. Okay. Yep. Yep. Don't want us to do any spoilers yet. Right. So next we're going to get into Rumi, who is her agent mm -hmm. that gets her these, like uh, these acting gigs. Yeah. And stuff she... like that. All right. Oh, go, go ahead, bro. I was going to say she was a former pop idol herself, I think. Right. Mm, uh... Somewhat. Yeah, I think because <laughs> this movie is really layered. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We can we can get into our theories in a little bit, okay. you know, a little later and shit like that. Yeah, that's, right. Okay. Then we're gonna go to Memania, which is the obsessive fan that goes to extremes to just do shit to fuck up uh, Mima's life, basically. Mm, yeah. And dude, I am not one to fucking like judge people by their appearance uh, you can say the eyes because fuck more than that just the overall because like damn dude like i remember when i had my long hair and i was like pretty big and shit uh -huh. i didn't look very approachable yeah and i hated how people used to think i was just a bad person just because of the way i looked but there's no way around it this motherfucker you just know whatever he did he did it he's guilty <laughs> fuck this guy looks creepy as fuck dude yeah he does i mean he's got the crooked teeth and yeah like the slack jaw and his eyes are really wide set, like almost to the point where it's comical, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, dude. And then then we're gonna get into Mr. Tarokoro, who happens to be the manager of Mima, who's trying to get her uh to kind of get her like more roles, you know, trying to uh help her get her acting career ascended and yeah. shit like that. Um and then we're gonna get to kind of like a minor character here, Mr. Shibaya who happens to be a screenwriter, okay? He does come into effect later on. So these are basically the characters that we're going to get into. There are some other minor ones, but they're like really, really minor, all right? So, brother, one more swig for the good man, then let's dive into the plot. What do you say? Do it. All right, swig for the good man. Cheers. All right. Get into the plot, brother. So the film begins with a bunch of fans just gossiping about Mima. They're they're outside a venue, right? And there's they're they're talking about rumors that they're hearing. It could be in magazines, could be in whatever. But the rumors are saying that Mima might be leaving the band, right? So what you do see is also that you see these these guys that are just there, and apparently they have been they have been in like previous shows for Cham, the J-pop group, and they've been fucking shit up. Like they've been. Uh, just like throwing trash. They've been a disturbance, basically, right? Yep. And then when they get into Cham, dude, like the, the J-pop group, right? I got this like really like Sailor Moon animation type vibe to it, dude. I don't know if you did, 
Yeah. Um, I I never watched Sailor Moon. The only way I watched it was because I would watch my sister watching it. Mm. You know. So yeah, my sister was a big fan of Sailor Moon. I think I watched it. I mean, I don't remember any of it, but I watched it because it used to come on right before Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. <laughs> after school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you see, you see Cham. They're all right there. And then in the crowd, you see Memania. He's fucking creeping, bro. He's in the crowd. He's like in the very front, too. Yeah. You just know. He just, just by looking at him, he's bad news, dude. Like, they did a good job at animating him being like, oh, fuck, dude. What the fuck is that? You know? <laughs> yeah. And then what I like about this is that um, they do they do a good job by going like back and forth with the, the, perform- the performance of Cham and then going into Mima's like everyday life. Mm-hmm. Which is really cool because then you see her like just like doing everyday shit. You know, she's buying a certain type of milk. She's buying uh, food for her fishes. You know, just li- little shit like that, you know, yeah. that does come into play later on. And then it goes back to the performances. Good shit right there. It keeps cutting back and forth. I thought it was uh, rather seamless in my opinion. All right. And then it goes into the introductions of Rumi and the manager. Uh, Mr. Tarokoro, what they're doing is they are arguing about Mima's future, right? F- so good shit right there. And what I like about is that, uh, like Rumi, she is like like her agent, right? Mm-hmm. So all she wants is the best for her client, right? She's very like she's very adamant what she wants about the future for Mima, because she just wants the best of her, like I mentioned, and. Uh, I mean, I got to say this, bro, like uh, off the bat in like the first like maybe like two minutes of this, I would say that um, they did a good job at making like Rumi like kind of being like a little more dominant, like it's her way or nobody else's way. I don't know if that vibe got you got from that. Uh, I didn't really catch that vibe, but Mm -hmm. I will say she definitely had a commanding presence. Commanding. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. 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 I agree. I guess. Okay, so again, it cuts back to her the performance, and then the guys that I mentioned earlier, they start throwing shit into like while the the performance is going on. So they're starting shit, right? Yeah, it looks like they were drinking beer too, or something. Could be. Yeah. Uh, but they're just fucking shit up, and then you can even see people in the back, like where the curtains are at. They'd be like, "Oh, these fucking guys again." Yeah. You know. So then, <laughs> and this is this fucking sucks, dude, because they made it seem that Cham only played one song. Yeah, and then they were gonna say like, "All right, this is our last song." Well, they did. I think that they only played one song because one of the crowd members yells, "What does he say?" He's like, "You can't just play one song." So I think they uh-huh. really literally played just one song, and then that's bullshit, man. If I played, <laughs> if I paid money to see them, dude, they better fucking play yeah some more shit. Not not an encore. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> so I'd be pissed too. Yeah. So maybe that could be why they were starting to throw shit, but they had already mentioned that these guys had been in previous shows just starting shit. Yeah. So who knows, right? So while this is going on, Mima is going to announce that she's leaving, but she doesn't really get the chance to do that because Memania, the fucking creepy um, fan, starts getting into the fight with the guys. And then right away, dude, he gets punched, dude, and fucking blood like just gushes out. You know, that isn't that isn't very real. But again, it's an animated movie. So I don't really have a problem with that. I don't know. What, what do you say, bro? No, I mean, it was believable. If you get punched, you, I mean, it only takes one punch to start bleeding. So mm-hmm. I I forgot. Why does he intervene? Just because they were throwing the cans, right? Yeah. 
Yeah. And he is an obsessive. We don't know quite know that yet. We just know based off his appearance that this motherfucker means business. Uh-huh. You know? But yeah, that starts. And then she finally announces that, yeah, I am leaving Cham after two and a half years to pursue an acting career. She does seem kind of apprehensive, too. Like, yes. she, the way she says it is not very confident. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, almost like she, like, like uh, regretting already, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I had a little qualm here, brother, about this, all right? So they want to bring this to your attention that Mima is a pop idol, right? Yes. So think in that in my pop idol. Like, when I think of a pop idol, dude, I think of, like, Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. Someone that was, like, famous everywhere, dude, right? Yet, in these fucking shows, like, in this particular show, if she's a pop idol, then why are they playing at such a tiny venue? Well, I think it's different, right? This movie was made in 1998. Uh And I think they're more of kind of like, are you familiar with, like, K-pop? Not much. Well, neither am I, to be honest with you. But I know that these kind of pop idols, they're kind of like dime a dozen. They're kind of like... I would say like the Backstreet Boys, but even less. Mm-hmm. So they were, they're like these groups that are just, they come out of nowhere and they're super popular, but they don't really have a whole lot. They're not like, they're definitely not like a Michael Jackson. You're, you're thinking, mm-hmm. you're comparing like apples to oranges. Okay. So it's just, a, it's like a cultural difference. I see. Mm-hmm. I still thought the venue could have looked bigger because yeah. if they're gossiping over someone's like career choice that much, uh-huh. then I think there should have been more people involved in the crowd as far as this little venue I think, holds. I think that's also kind of why they portrayed it like that because in the beginning, when they say that, oh, you know, she's thinking about leaving Cham, they they say, oh, this is their last venue. Like it's a, it's a shitty venue is pretty mm-hmm. much what they're saying. So I think it's trying to show that at this point in time, they're popular, but not very popular. Gotcha. So they're just kind of like, they're still in that dime a dozen phase. Cool, cool, cool. All right, but yeah, two and a half years, right? That is what she mentioned. Yeah, yeah. You know? Okay, cool. Makes sense. But then again, she leaves, dude, and there's paparazzi. So it's like, why would there be paparazzi when she's getting into her limo if they aren't that fucking, <laughs> you know, you get what I'm saying? It's kind of contradicting itself a little bit. Uh, yeah, yeah, I would think it's more kind of like a, it's kind of like a Bam Margera, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's still paparazzi following him around. Uh, it's kind, of, it's like that, right? Like he's, Yeah, but he's not like everyday yeah. news and shit like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even if it is, it's always bad shit. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Okay, cool. All right, brother. Sounds good. But again, like I mentioned, the paparazzi and everything. Mm-hmm. So while she, uh, excuse me, Mima is getting into like her car, the vehicle or whatever, she's getting this fan mail, right? And the fan mail, ha- it's an envelope with like a pink heart on it uh-huh. to give you the appearance of this fucking letter that, that comes into effect later on, right? And then it goes into when she goes into her room, right? So I guess now thinking of it, dude. She goes home. She lives in this like tiny little room, right? So, yeah. so this kind of proves like just what you were saying is that they are famous, but not too famous. Otherwise, she wouldn't be living in this tiny fucking room. Yeah, you know, and that's that's a good point that you bring up because I also noticed that throughout the entire movie, she's still in that same shitty apartment, like yeah. that, in that room. So even when she progresses in her career, she's still not that popular. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Yeah. So she goes into her room and she starts opening the fan mail. And this is where comes the link for Mima's room, mm-hmm. which, by the way, bro, that's fucking creepy, dude. Yeah. If you get like a, a fan mail like that with a link to a website and it has like 
a bunch of your shit on there. Like the computer, she hasn't hooked up the computer yet. We'll get, we'll get into that in a little bit. Uh-huh. But that's just like, what the fuck is this? Like Mima's room. Like, yeah. You know? And it's you know? like, it's written from the perspective as, as if she was writing it herself. Yeah. Yeah. We'll get into that in a little bit, dude. Right. So when this is going on, she like, so this is where she gets Mima's room, like brought to her. Right. Mm. But then she gets a phone call from her mom. Right. It's a little rude how she talks. Did you notice that she was a little rude? Like, oh, something's happening. Call back in five minutes. Not even saying bye and shit like that. Well, her bath was going to run over, man. She she had to run away, dude. <laughs> sure. Yeah, that's cool. <laughs> right? So she goes to check on the bath. She gets the phone call again. It's like, mom, what did I tell you? But yeah. it's just some person with heavy breathing. Yeah. And then her fax machine goes off. All right? And it, and it says traitor all Ooh. over, like, on the page and shit like that. Yeah, you know, I didn't know what that said. I'll bring that up because I, I, I didn't put the subtitles on because I uh, did, and it looked like, it looked like the subtitles were being translated from Japanese. But I mm -hmm. watched it in English. Did you watch it in English? I did. Okay, so yeah, so the subtitles from the version I was watching, they didn't match up very well. Ah, so well, I turned, I turned them off, and I didn't, I didn't see anything written. Gotcha. Yeah. Well, it said traitor. Okay. Over and over and over again. Gotcha. You know. So by this point, because we've already seen the movie, bro, we know who the fuck it is. Yeah, yeah. Right? You know? I, I kind of had an inkling, too, that it was that weird guy because mm. they're playing him up. Yeah. And then, dude, you know what I will say about this? I do. The thing I like about this movie is the transitions that they do from one scene to the next because you get this, like, traitor facts. Uh, and then you get to just, like, uh, Mima saying, who are you? And I was like, what's going on? And she just kept saying, who are you? Who are you? And that is like, and then it transitions to her, like on the set, kicking off her career as an actress. Mm -hmm. And she she's clearly fucking nervous, dude, because who are you is the only line she has in this in this scene, that in this uh, this job that she has. Yeah. That's it. Who are you? That's the only thing she has to say. And she's putting so much pressure on herself to get this one line correct. Mm -hmm. Right? So this is where... They're on the set. Rumi gets the fan mail. And then, which, by the way, dude, I fucking saw Memania on the set too. And it's like, how did this motherfucker get here? Yeah, he was like lurking or something. Yeah, right? dude. It's like, man, you got to get to the point. It all makes sense later on. But it's like, dude, when you're watching this the first time, you're like, how the fuck did this creepy motherfucker get on the set? Mm -hmm. You know, it's just like, dude, like, you're taking it to the extreme here, man. Like, kick the fuck back. You know, I'm not going to follow Metallica wherever I go, man. Yeah. You know, I'm just saying shit. But all right. So this is kind of like not an introduction, but because we've already mentioned Mr. Tadokoro, but he's in there, too, because he is uh, her agent. Right. And he ends up getting this fan mail that Rumi gets and he takes it from her. Right. Yeah. Because it was intended for Mima. And then out of nowhere, the fucking fan mail explodes, dude. Yeah, it was, right? like a, it was a mail bomb, right? Yeah. Dude, it was, it was. It was. And then he he's fucking bleeding, dude. And he says, I'm all right. You're not fucking all right, dog. <laughs> You're bleeding. You're on yeah. the ground. How the fuck are you all right? Yeah, yeah. You know? And then, what? okay, this is, okay, for like the the way it's all set up and shit, it was almost comical to me what happened next because they go to Rumi in the, uh, in the room with Mima at her home, the tiny little place to set up like the computer yeah. so that she can check out the link. But then she like brings it up to her attention. Like, should I be worried about the letter? She goes, nah, it's just a prank. Like, what the <laughs> fuck do you mean it's just a prank? This shit blew up. Well, even the guy, he, Mr. How do you Tadakoro. say it? Tadakoro. 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 Uh, 
he said that or they say that he didn't even want to like make a big deal out of it so mm-hmm. like, what the fuck yeah and I, I will also say one one throwback to nostalgia lane from this scene is when they open the the internet browser mm-hmm. it's netscape navigator do you remember that shit dude that reminds me of being in fucking middle school vaguely because like i remember <laughs> when back when like internet first happened yeah, you yeah. had to have like a phone connected to uh-huh. it yeah yeah i, only I remember had it, that i only had it through like my school right when you went to the computer lab yeah and that was like such a throwback i was like oh man dude i remember that holy shit <laughs> but, yeah. oh yeah dude throwback <laughs> shit right there dude yeah but again bro like uh like if this happened, right? If there was fan mail intended to me, right? And clearly people were not happy with Mima announcing that she was changing career paths and you're getting fan mail that blows up now. I'm not going to just like dismiss it like that. Well, she wanted to make a big deal out of it. She wanted to call the cops. So she, mm-hmm. at least she was the only one taking it serious. Mm-hmm. It's just her yeah. agent and the manager were just like, eh, it was nothing. Yeah. True that, brother. But yes, Mima's room. Then this gets to like creepy territory right here, brother. Because Mima's room gets brought up and then she goes into Mima's room and then you just see like the these uh, journal entries, man. So imagine that, bro. You are new to this website that's all about you and there are journal entries with fucking precise detail, bro. Like the details here are fucking crazy. They even tell you what first step you took getting out of the train. Mm-hmm what fish food you get for your fishes, mm-hmm. what type of certain organic fucking milk you buy. Like, that is fucking creepy, dude. And clearly, she's not the one that's posting this shit. So that's going to fuck with her psyche. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Fuck, dude. That That's disturbing as fuck to me. Yeah, it definitely was. Mm-hmm. But when she first reads it, she starts laughing. Like, she takes it lighthearted. Mm-hmm. But then as she reads more of them, she's like, wait, what the fuck? How do they know this much about me? Mm-hmm. So it... It was interesting. It was, dude. So transition to Rumi and Mr. Tadokoro arguing about how uh, Mima doesn't have enough scenes because mm-hmm. they, they really just desperately want... They, they don't want it to make it seem like it's a mistake that she left Cham to go to a career path if it's starting so low with just like... A, like, imagine that, dude. If you're, quote unquote, a pop idol, right? And then your first uh, film or whatever it is that you do, it's only one line. That's not exactly the start that you want. Yeah, that's true. But I feel like that's realistic because it is even even you got to start somewhere, right? Yeah, big stars nowadays uh, they they start off with like little cameo roles. Mm -hmm. Not everybody could be Eminem and get eight miles straight off the bat, right? right? Yeah, very very true, brother. Yeah, very true. So now, like, I guess like a natural progression would be like, all right, so now let's go to argue that she gets three scenes mm-hmm. not just the one right yeah so then uh while while they're arguing that rumi and mr Hikoro is what i'm saying they're arguing about the three scenes you do see cham like in the same room with them mm-hmm. right they come in and like it's pretty it looks a little obvious that uh mima's acting career is not going as strong as she had hoped for yet you see that cham without her has started a has has a song with that made it to the top 100 charts yeah so it's like shit like that's gotta burn yeah you know what i mean fucking burn man so put that in there transitions to mima in a subway and i i fucking love this scene bro this was fucking crazy so now you can see that mima's room is fucking with her psyche because the, the journal entries right 
saying that, oh, you stepped off on this foot when you left the subway. So she's about to step off and she has this like, like, oh shit, I need to stop. Like what, what foot am I stepping off of? While all the people behind her are telling her to hurry the fuck up and get off. Yeah. You know? So it's just, she's getting increasingly more with this like paranoia. You get what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it's, 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 it's in her mentally now that somebody's watching her, man. And it's just like this fucking, like just a horrible feeling. Just knowing that, um, that like, it's just disturbing. You know what I'm saying, dude? Like it's, it's, it would have fucked with me a lot personally, dude. Yeah. I mean, she definitely is building the paranoia at this point and she's second guessing her career choice Mm because it's not going as well. Yeah, and then it goes into the next scene, dude. All right, so cool. Like, like she goes off to the subway because she's going into like the set, right? Mm-hmm. But I didn't, I didn't really like this scene because it shows her like going into an elevator, but then she sees Memania, but she doesn't have a reaction. It's like, what the fuck, dude? Like, would you not like? Why wouldn't you fucking like have a reaction? Well, she did, right? Because when she gets in the elevator, there is a news article taped up, right? And it was the, one of the the guy that was throwing the beer cans mm-hmm. when she was in Cham. I didn't know what it said because, like I told you, I turned off the subtitles. Uh-huh. I'm guessing it was probably a news article that he's been killed or something. Yeah, he's been killed. Yeah, that's what I guessed. So she, I, she I would have pref- I'm sorry. Go for it. Ben. Well, I was like, she looks at that, and then she looks out again, and then she sees the weird guy. Mm-hmm. I mean, she doesn't make that big of a reaction, but there's a little reaction of, like, what the fuck? The reaction was a little subpar for my liking, dude, because uh-huh. if she saw the same guy that they were fucking with, like with these people that were messing up the performance, uh-huh. and then you see the guy that they were actually fighting with, I would have fucking reacted way crazier than that. Hmm. I Cause, think. Because remember, dude, like, Memania is always like in the front, Memania is always like around, and then, like, you see in the paper article that the people that were messing in your performance have been killed. And then in the elevator, you see the people, the person he was, that was fighting with them. Uh-huh. Uh, at this point in time, I was kind of under the impression that she's, she's kind of losing her grip on reality mm-hmm. and she's questioning her own sanity. Yeah. So the reason why she's not freaking out, I took it as she doesn't really, she doesn't really believe if it's true or not. Yeah. So that's that was my explanation for it in my mm. in my head. So I don't know if that's correct no, or no, not. No, that's good, brother, because like like really shortly we're gonna talk about that mm. uh like in a little bit. Uh gra- the the grasping of reality, right? Yeah. It comes way more evident shortly. So we'll get into that, right? Mm-hmm. So again, these transitions are fucking nice because like you go to the elevator scene where she sees Memania. And then you go, you think it's still like the same kind of like, uh, uh, like scene that's going on, uh-huh. but it transitions to her in the middle of her show, the new show that she's been casted at. And I thought they did a good job at like kind of keeping you on your toes of knowing what is her real life and what is her acting life. Okay. It was fucking great, man. I very much appreciated that. All right. So then fucked up scene right here kind of because again Mr. Tadakor and Rumi are arguing about hey you gotta give Rumi uh, excuse me Mima a different role because she's ready like to do bigger shit and Mr. Tadakor says hey I got a script for her but it involves her acting out a rape scene dude yeah and yeah if you're the agent 
you just want the best for her. So Rumi says, fuck this. No, not happening. She's not doing a rape scene without even like talking to her about it quite yet. You know what I mean? Yeah, she still she even says that she wants her to maintain her pop idol image. The persona, right? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Good shit right there, because I think like uh, Rumi, like, like again, I mentioned like she wants it her way, man. She wants it to that. She wants her to succeed. If it's not her way, it's not nobody's way. Hmm. At least okay. I kind of get that. You okay. know? She's really demanding. Yeah. You know? So I, I do like that. But uh, we get to that a little later that even though she's not with it, Mima agrees to do this fucking like rape scene. Yeah. You know, fucking brutal shit right there, man. Mm. But then it transitions to the subway scene, dude. And this goes back to the grasping of reality because now this is the part where she's in the subway and her reflection ends up talking to her dude yeah the reflection tells her i'm the real mima mm-hmm. right fucking crazy shit dude so I, I i i like that a lot so let's put this shit in perspective now brother okay all right you're you have fan mail where they're telling you that there's a website dedicated to you then you get fan mail that fucking explodes <laughs> right now you have this crazy fucking paranoia of possibly some fucking person chasing you uh, just, you know, the elevator scene in hindsight, you know, from our perspective, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. And now you have your reflection fucking talking to you. She's not all up there, man. Yeah, that's what I got. And, and it's a fucked up feeling. And then fucking transition to probably the most fucked up part of this movie, which is Mima acting out the rape scene, dude. Uh-huh. And the filming of this is brutal, man, because, you know, they're they're directed like, no, no, you got to do better. Right, you got to get closer. You got to get to her faster, and all this shit. And then uh-huh. the guy that is is doing the rape scene with her, even fucking goes to her and says, "Hey, I'm so sorry about this." You yeah. know. Mm. And it's here's the one thing I I that I took aback to this dude is like, I think voice acting is very underappreciated, man, because it can't be easy to have all that emotion in you when you're not really like physically acting out things. Uh-huh. But y'all got to do it by voice. Right. So the the woman who did Mima, it could not have been easy for her to fucking yell out a rape scene, uh-huh. you know. So I think she did a fantastic job, dude. It's fucking brutal shit, man. Yeah. You know, it's it's so bad. And then Rumi's even crying, mm-hmm. looking on at this rape scene, dude. And she ends up leaving yeah. and shit like that. Right. So Mr. Tadakoro has to take uh, Mima home. And then when she gets home, dude. She realizes that her fish have died. Yeah, you know, I didn't really understand that scene. I was going to say, is it because she forgot to feed him? Well, this is what I got out of it, bro. It's that, like, I already mentioned all the shit that's going on with her mentally, right? Mm -hmm. It's fucked up. But once she sees that her fish have died, she cries, dude. She fucking reaches a breaking point. And I'm just like, dude, the fishes are what gives you the breaking point? Because it's like, you go home because you're at home? You have a sense of comfort there, uh-huh. right? So now at home, her fish died, and you're just like, fuck, man. Like, nothing is going right right now for me. Hmm. I have a fucking career at acting that isn't going as much as I planned to. The people I left are at a top 100 chart. I just had to act out a fucking rape scene, and now I'm going home, and my fishies have died. Like, fuck, dude. Like, it's, it's just, it was pretty sad. Yeah, you know? but I think I think what happened is she either hadn't been home in a long time, and mm-hmm. that's why they died. Because in the earlier scene, when she first buys the food, 
she goes up to the fish. She's like, oh, I'm sorry. I forgot to feed you yesterday. So when they're dead now, I took it as she probably hasn't been home in like a week or something. Yeah. And now she's like, whoops. You can also make an argument that she didn't feed them because feeding the fish wasn't really in her mind to Mm -hmm. be, you know, she's way too distracted. Yeah. Way too much stressed out with everything that she just said. No, I can't. I like feeding feeding the fish isn't even like fucking anything fucking realistically to do right now. Yeah. Shit like that, you know? But yeah, because I thought they did a good job at like otherwise why else would they have made the scene when she's out getting the fish uh the fish food and mm-hmm. stuff like that, right? Yeah. So nice little callback there, man. So Satoshi Khan, man, he he knows what the fuck he's doing here, man. You know, he didn't just throw that shit out there just to fucking for the sake of it you know? <laughs> yeah you know but yes yeah, she's reached the breaking point and again the reflection starts talking to her as she's crying man it's crazy as shit but then again with these fucking awesome transitions dude she's having a breaking point her reflection is talking to her and then it transitions to memania fucking posting the entries in uh mima's room yep and while that's going on, it pans out, dude. And he has this fucking shrine of Mima, dude. Mm-hmm. Really disturbing. He's obsessive to the point where, like, his life is Mima's life. Hence the the reason why he's the one behind Mima's room. Yeah, but it still doesn't explain how he knows so much. Yeah. Almost there, brother. Mm-hmm. We're getting there, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Uh, man, again, like, I, I didn't want to say, dude, that, like, Memania was like, he's guilty. But come on, dude, like off the bat, come on. <laughs> it's almost to the point, dude, where it was comical because it's like, oh, I fucking knew it all the time, like the whole time. Well, yeah, he he was, but I I didn't want to judge him, though, because mm-hmm. I felt like he almost, he looks like there's something wrong with him physically and mentally. Like, I thought maybe he was going to be like a disabled person. I mean, did you get that vibe at all? Just no. The, by the way he looks? Uh, he, by by the way he looks, I just knew that, well, okay, I, now I get what you're saying, dude. Yeah, like, like, like mentally, he's yeah. not all up there. Yeah. To the point where, yeah, okay, then yes, we agree on that then. <laughs> okay. Because, <laughs> come on, dude. No, I'm not trying to poke fun. I'm just saying that's, no, what, I know, I that, know, that's I know. what I thought because he he clearly looks different than everybody else yeah. just from a physical standpoint. So, like, maybe I figured maybe there's something wrong with him. Yeah. But you know what's crazy about this dude is that, like, even though Mima, like, is, like, somewhat like traumatized uh-huh. with this shit she ends up like going back to mima's room to checking out like the journal entries dude mm-hmm. like wouldn't you want to like back away from that or you're just too curious to know what the fuck's gonna happen next you know but she goes on to mima's room and sees that some of the entries are now being lies did you get that part dude i think i missed that part yeah so oh i think yeah never mind i know what you're talking about yes yeah so she's looking on she's like saying okay now now these entries are fucking wrong. Yeah. So now it's fucking with her even more. Uh-huh. And while that's going on, the reflection starts talking to her again. So it gives me the impression, is this all in her head? Or is she just fucking like too fucked up at this point? You know? Yeah. It's fucking crazy, dude. Uh-huh. Again, like this job, this movie did a good job keeping me on my toes because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. Yeah, I was a little confused as well. Yeah, I didn't know what was like real life or what was in Mima's head mm-hmm. with her stressed out paranoia shit that's going on. Yes. Great stuff right there, man. So transition to the person who was responsible for the rape scene, like the one who ri- who wrote out the one, the screenwriter, right? Uh-huh. His name is Mr. Shibaya. 
So he goes and gets murdered. He was like on his way to the to like the set, right? Uh-huh. And gets murdered. Brutal shit right there, man. Uh what did you get about this like murder scene, dude? Cuz I I thought it was like pretty fucking like uh um what's the word I I have a word I'm looking for, dude, but like not gory, but I was like, damn, dude, like with like this animation type shit, like I was like, damn because again, I'm I'm getting this like Sailor Moon vibe, uh-huh. but I was like, yeah, I'm not gonna see this shit on Sailor Moon. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, yeah, it was a a strange scene because he's in the parking garage, right? Yeah, and then he hears the music playing, and then it turns out to be a boombox in the elevator, mm-hmm. and we don't see him get murdered, but it cuts to him. Yeah, on the fifth floor, and his eyes are stabbed out. Yeah, dude. and there's blood everywhere. So it was pretty intense. Yeah. I didn't really know what to think at that point. Yes. So I, I was gonna say, go, go for it, brother. Go for it. I figured it was the crazy fan. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of went with the that maybe that's it because that's what they want us to think. But yeah, yeah, exactly. So Mr. Shibaya was on his way to the set, or <laughs> excuse me, holy shit, took this long, dude. For the <laughs> yeah, the burp of the week. You know what I mean, yep, there we go. So what I was under the impression here was that. Mr. Shibaya was on his way to like the set, mm-hmm. but then it like goes into the scene where Cham is talking about uh, a photo shoot that Mima's going to do with yeah. this like pornographer, dude. Uh-huh. Right, and then they even say like, "Yeah, man, this pornographer, man, like, like why would Mima be involved with this guy? She's gonna be nude. Like, you know, this isn't like something that uh, like we would be doing, mm-hmm. kind of thing, you know. While this is going on, man." They show Cham having a performance, dude. So it cuts back and forth to that uh, to Mima having this photo shoot where she's naked. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, bro, I because I went into this blind, dude. I did not expect there to be nudity in this fucking movie, dude. Hmm. I did not, and so I was just like taken aback. So you get to uh, Cham performing, and then the whole photo shoot. With all the nudes and stuff that are going to come out into magazines and stuff like that, right? Yes. Because it goes into a magazine. And so this is the part, dude, where I, I fucking pop, dude. Because this is the part where Mima is, like, in the tub. And, dude, this is the callback to Requiem for a Dream, dude. Oh, yeah. That was yeah. fucking awesome, dude. Mm-hmm. So, like, so shout out to the good brother, Nick. Because, like, this is the scene he was talking about. Because in the movie, Requiem for a Dream, uh, Marion is going through a withdrawal. And she's in the tub and she just like, she's kind of like in the fetal position somewhat. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not all the way to like to her side or anything like that. But then she like kind of just like yells while she's under the water. Uh-huh. And they did like, so she, they got that scene from this scene in Perfect Blue. That's cool. Fucking awesome, dude. I very much enjoyed that. It made me almost want to watch Requiem for a Dream as depressing as it was and stuff like that. <laughs> you know? I feel like this movie's pretty depressing too. It is, man. Yeah. Like off like just even going forward and shit, dude, it is. Uh-huh. All right. So at this point now, the some time has passed because the the nudes for the magazine have came out. Mm-hmm. And then you see Memania going to this like like store and buying all the fucking magazines. Yeah. You know, because it's kind of in a way that like, oh, you can't look at her because she's mine uh-huh. type of thing. Yeah. But it's like, hey, dude, this the only place that are going to sell this magazine. Yep. You know what I mean? Yeah. But again, like, Maman is just like this fucking crazy motherfucker, dude. Man. Uh, it, it was fucking crazy, man. Like, overall, bro, like, so far, I'm really digging this because I, I did not expect it to be this fucking dark, dude. 
Uh, yeah, yeah, I had a, I had a, a semi inkling that it was going to be dark, but not necessarily this dark. Mm-hmm. Yeah, dude. And then it goes to the reflection of Mima, right? Like Mima's reflection, the one that tells her like she's a real Mima. Mm-hmm. That reflection of Mima is talking to Memania and sends him emails. Yes, telling him you need to kill this fucking fake Mima, which yep. is the real Mima. Mm-hmm. And so that's what Mimana goes out to do, mm-hmm. but we're not quite there yet. So then it gets to an acting scene where Mima is in her new acting role, right? And then she sees Mimana, dude, and she stumbles her lines and she says, fuck, it's like, you know, it's good, it's crazy. Yeah. And then she wakes up from a nightmare, dude. Mm-hmm. Fucking badass, dude. That thing was so cool. Like that one kind of caught me off guard, mm-hmm. but no, there's more. So then she wakes up from her nightmare. And then she's like at some like recording studio where the fucking fake Mima is chasing her. And then Memania fucking like runs her over with a truck. And then it's like, yo, this is another fucking nightmare. Yeah. So I was like, dude, like, I don't know where this is going, dude. Like, this is taking me in directions I had no idea. Yeah. She kept waking up in the bed, right? I felt Uh like at some point I was like, hey, man, is this Groundhog's Day? Dude, right? (laughs) That's what I thought. Yeah. Fuck, exactly, dude. Yeah. Yeah, and then, no, there's more, dude. So she snaps back to reality, dude, and then she's back into her new show Mm -hmm. where she fucking messes up her lines again because she sees Memania. Yes. Right? And then, like, fucking, uh, it goes into, like, she's, at this point, bro, she's fucking struggling mightily to distinguish what her real life is with her acting career. Uh Uh-huh. Right? So then she wakes up from a fucking another nightmare, dude. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, damn, a third fucking nightmare, dude. It's like Inception, right? A nightmare exactly, within a dude. nightmare. <laughs> yes. Dude. And then it goes, this this part I thought was pretty sad, dude, because so now Mima is with Rumi and she doesn't know what's real life and what's not. So she gets a glass and fucking breaks it. Oh, uh, yeah. And she bleeds just to ask, like, is it real? So now she's so mentally fucked up that she has to start, like, feeling pain in order for her to know what is life and what is not. Yeah. Fuck. Th- this fucking movie was turning me sideways, brother. Mm-hmm. Like, over. And then, bro, it doesn't fucking stop there, bro. It-, it pretty much puts the fucking gas on more because then it transitions to the pornographer, right? Mm-hmm. That was photographing the nudes and stuff. Yeah. And he gets fucking murdered, bro. Yeah. This scene was fucking brutal, dude. I did not expect this to be this fucking, like, like gruesome. Uh-huh. Because you see that he's watching the show that Mima is in, right? Yep. And then pizza delivery, and then the fucking poli- the pizza deliverer fucking just stabs him in the fucking eye. Yep. There's a bit of a fucking delay, right, to when he gets shanked in the eye. But I thought it was fucking great because it was shocking. I was like, whoa, like, what the fuck? And then he reacts. Mm-hmm. Fucking blood spilling everywhere. So then the fucking pizza guy... Who turns out to be Mima, at least the Mima that we're seeing, right? Yes. It's Mima. Did you get that, bro? Or were you confused? No, I well, I didn't know it was her at first when mm-hmm. he, the pizza person stabbed him in the eye. Yeah. But once they were fighting and after she stabs him in the dick. Yeah. And then when she pushes him on the ground and the hat falls off, then yeah, it's clearly it's Mima. Yeah. But dude, the 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 murder scene was brutal as fuck. Yeah. Because stabs him in the eye. And then the guy goes and reaches for a phone and then gets stabbed in the hand. Oh, yeah. Then he runs away. 
And then he fucking gets behind the door, but then he gets stabbed through the glass door. Mm-hmm. And it's it's it just keeps going from there, man. Crazy shit, man. I was not expecting that. Good stuff right there, man. And then it goes into Mima in her room waking up from a nightmare. So is it was this like a nightmare to a nightmare to another fucking nightmare? But at this point, it's like it's not really uh, distinguished yet because like she gets a phone call saying that the pornographer has been murdered. Yes. And then she looks into her fucking closet and there's the evidence that the person was murdered uh-huh. that she did. And it's like, fuck, dude, like what is going on, dude? Mm. It was so good, man. I very much enjoyed that. Like, I, I like what a mind fuck this movie is so far, dude. Yeah. You know, um, uh, any fucking details about this you'd like to add, bro, before we go into more? Because we're almost at the end, dude. Yeah, yeah, this is this is going pretty well. I they are we did we we haven't hit the part yet where it kind of further mind fucks you because it cuts between her. That's the next one. Okay, then let's fuck let's, it. You let's, just go into it, bro. Yeah, go into cool, it. Cool, cool. So yes, bro. So so we see that this is like uh the evidence, right? Has mm-hmm. been either it's either been planted or she's the one that fucking did it. Yeah. So it goes into and again these transitions are fucking amazing, dude. So then we get to the part where there's a whole identity disorder. Yeah, she's, between... in, she's in a police interrogation room. Yes. Uh-huh. And she calls herself Yoko. Mm-hmm. And then we realize, holy shit, like this is the show yeah. that she's in. Yeah. This isn't her real life. Yeah. But dude, she fucking nails her lines, dude. Because in the in, because at this point, dude, she doesn't exactly have to act out anything because in her fucking mind, She's living out what she, what's supposed to happen in the fucking show. Yeah. That was fucking nah, chef's kiss right there. Fucking amazing, dude. Because the, the transitions here are fucking great. It's It very much like makes you think like, okay, are we in Mima's head or is this what's really going on around her? Yeah. Fucking loved it, man. This was so good. And when they tell her, all right, that cut, that's a wrap. Let's, let's fucking like go celebrate, you know? They tell her, all right, we're going to have like a party or whatever like that. So then Rumi finds uh, Mima and says, oh, go do this. And then I'll I'll meet you at somewhere. Right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, that's going on, dude. Fucking Mimania. So let's remember, Mimania has been sent to go kill Mima. Mimania fucking somehow gets in the fucking set and goes after to kill Mima, dude. Fucking shit right there was crazy. So not only does he like fucking like corner her. But then he like gets her on the ground and tries to rape her. Yeah. Tries to murder her. And then luckily there's a hammer right there and fucking Mima hits him in the side of the head with the hammer. Yes. Fucks him up. Yep. But what was cool about this dude is because like when once he, he fuck does he die, dude, or is he just wounded? I think he just gets knocked out because his body is gone uh-huh. later on when she brings uh Rumi to go to go look at it and yeah. he's gone so yeah but like i i thought they could have done maybe a better job at like doing that part because i i don't know if he was dead or if he was just fucked up yeah and again you don't really see him again for like the rest of the movie uh-huh. and shit like that but what was cool about this shit was that after she fucks him up with the hammer she either hallucinates or you see like the people fucking applauding like the audience applauding her mm-hmm. so it was like a like the the like a like a bravo for that performance, you know what I yes, mean? Yes. Yep. It was fucking cool, man. So then Rumi finds her 
She's all distraught. And she says, all right, I'm going to take you home. But did you notice, brother? She says, I'm going to take you to Mima's room. Yeah. Did you notice that? Yeah, I did. I thought that was strange. It was strange, huh? Mm-hmm. So I was like, huh, okay. I know something's about to happen right here. Yeah. So sure enough, she takes, uh, well, she doesn't take Mima to her room, but she takes Mima to, is it her room, dude? Yeah, it's it's Rumi's room. It's but, Rumi's room. But it's like modeled after Yes. Uh, her room. Uh, because like it's the revelation yes that Rumi was a pop idol in her fucking mind right yeah she even dresses up like Mima when she was in Cham uh-huh. right and then reveals to her like that she's the one responsible for Mima's room that she's the one that got Mimania to fucking kill well maybe not to kill the people but kind of be like the scapegoat for all yes. this bullshit uh-huh. you know and I was just like, damn, dude, this is fucking crazy. Like, it was a nice little twist. Although I kind of did see it coming after she said, I'm going to take you to Mima's room. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I kind of wondered, like, if she had not said that, I think I would have been a little more surprised. Yes. But pretty good, in my opinion. You want to know what also is kind of weird, too? Go for it, bro. Rumi's also has really wide set eyes. Uh-huh. And so does Mamania. Is there, like, some mm. kind of, is there some kind of link there? That's Holy what I. Shit, bro. Nobody else in the movie has those weird, wide set eyes except for those two mm-hmm. that I noticed. So yeah. I, I don't know. Okay, dude. And then, oh yeah, dude, you're fucking right about that, <laughs> dude. Because like now that I look back on it, because yeah. I've seen it a few times, I was like, huh? Like maybe like uh, like everything was right in front of us. You know what I mean? Yeah. I, I was. I mean, even when I first saw her, I thought Rumi looked weird. Mm-hmm. She just had really wide set eyes. So I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, maybe I'm just tripping. Dude, and then, you know what, dude? In the next scene, dude, I got a little confused, dude, because, like, because they, they show Memania where he is, where he, or let's say he died, okay? We yeah. don't know for sure. Mm. But then you have Mr. Tarokoro fucking dead right next to him. Yes. So they don't they don't show it, but what I think happens is Memania, he gets knocked out, mm-hmm. and maybe he didn't wake up, but Rumi probably grabbed his body, and then she killed him. Yeah. I, I think that's what happened. But at this point, it has to be Rumi right now yeah. since she made the revelation that, that uh-huh. she was the one behind it. She had to have killed Mr. Tadokoro, mm-hmm. right? She had to have been the one that planted all that shit in the evidence in yes. Mima's room. Yep. Although I do think, I still think that that's in Mima's head, though. No. I, hey, who You never know because you can make an argument for both. Because remember, by that point, she was having a nightmare within a nightmare within a nightmare. Mm-hmm. So it's, you know, it it does a good job as, as, as us. Like, if, if Mima can't fucking distinguish what's real life from us, they did a good job for us for distinguishing what is life, whether in Mima's uh, head or what really is happening. Yeah. Okay, I'll give you that. That makes sense. Yeah, because you can make an argument for both. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Very, yeah, I'm all fucking twisted up right here, brother. <laughs> yeah. But yes, Mr. Tadokoro's dead now, dude. And so after the revelation, uh, Rumi's fucking... Uh, because like she sent Memania to go kill her, right? Mm-hmm. Obviously, that didn't happen. So now she has to take matters into her own hands. Yep. So she has to go and kill uh, Mima while she's wearing the whole pop idol persona. Yeah. You know, what she wanted to do look like if she was in Cham, right? Yeah. But I gotta say, dude, these these chasings were a little bullshit to me. Why? Didn't really like them. Um, okay. Like you can tell that they, cause like they they get chased after this like apartment complex, right? Yeah. And like the falls are pretty 
far down. Okay. And she gets up like right away. Sure, you can say adrenaline, whatever, but there aren't really marks on her. It's an animated movie. You yes. can you can fucking animate bruises and shit on them. <laughs> they don't do that. They failed to do that. All right. I so just, go for it, brother. I, was, I just thought it was weird that uh, Rumi, in some scenes, she looks exactly like mima but then mm-hmm. in, in other scenes she's got the white set eyes and she's yeah. she's she's got some junk in her trunk <laughs> you know what i mean like they don't, oh, look, yeah. they don't look anything alike and it switches between them so i was kind of like what the fuck is going on right now yeah but yeah what are those but yes about? dude uh, yeah i'm not was I'll, I'll admit i wasn't a big fan of the balcony scenes uh-huh. i just thought the, the falls were pretty fucking lame okay uh and then to make it even fuck okay dude okay so let's get to the point now where Rumi is like about to kill Mima, but Mima takes off her wig, right? Mm-hmm. She, so she takes off her wig, which cool. Yeah, I get the symbolism there. Like, oh, my wig's gone. That means I'm not complete as far as this persona from Cham is, right? Yeah. But then it fucking looks like she dove into the fucking, the shard of glass, dude. It looked fucking, it was done poorly, dude. I did not like how that looked. Okay. It almost looked like she threw herself on there when she didn't, dude. Did you get that? Dude? Like, dude, this part almost made me laugh. I was like, what the fuck is she diving at? No, I didn't really get that. I thought she just fell, but I don't know. It that... did not look good, man. Okay. I, I thought it looked like shit, honestly. Okay. It, it almost like left a sour taste because this is like at the tail end of the movie. Uh-huh. And I was like, fuck, what the fuck is this? <laughs> you know? I thought that was going to kill her. Yeah. But yeah, it didn't. Go back and watch that scene, dude, and see how fucking, now that I've brought it to your attention. Okay. Go back and watch it, and then you're gonna be like, okay, the wig comes off. Mm. She freaks out, yeah. and then she fucking falls into the. <laughs> it's like no, like what? What is this? I don't know. It didn't look good to me, dude. Okay, All right. So she gets fucking stabbed through this shard of glass, and then it makes her stumble upon oncoming traffic. Uh, good scene right here because Mima saves her. Um, did you think she was gonna get run over, or did it didn't make a believer out of you? I thought she was gonna get run over. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. It would have made sense too because like the nightmares that Mima was having, that mm-hmm. Memania ran, ran, you know, I, I I thought she was gonna get ran over too. Yeah. And it would have made like uh, a fucking ending for her to being like, all right, this bitch is dead. <laughs> yeah. But it doesn't. And it goes into the ending scene mm-hmm. where it goes to Rumi inside a mental hospital and Mima visiting her. But by this time, Mima's uh, acting career has ascended. Mm-hmm. She's successful. Although you don't really see it, they tell you that she's successful. Yeah. So she goes and visits Rumi in this mental hospital. And you even see two orderlies saying, like, hey, that's Mima over there. And they're like, no, that can't be Mima. Like, why would she be here of all places? Yeah. You know? And it's sad because, like, Mima, uh, excuse me, Rumi is in this mental hospital. Mm-hmm. And then the doctor tells her, like, yeah, she still believes she's this pop idol persona. So she never got over it. Mm-hmm. So then uh, Mima leaves. And as depressing as it is, gets back into her car, looks at herself in the reflection, and she says, I'm the real Mima. Yeah. And credits roll. That was the end of Perfect Blue. Yeah. Overall, man, a total mindfuck of a film. (laughs) Yeah. I did not know whether to distinguish uh, what was in the stressed fucking brain of Mima or her acting career for that moment for that matter, or what was really going on. Yeah. Because I don't know who would be there as an indication of who was real and who was not. Yes. It, it, it did a fantastic job, I felt. you know, And it was super dark 
like definitely I didn't uh, expect anything like this, man. So I was pleasantly surprised. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what do you say, brother? No, I thought it was interesting. It wasn't what I initially expected either. Mm -hmm. Definitely really dark as far as the moves that we do. A, a huge departure from Spirited Away, right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this is definitely not a family-friendly movie. Mm -hmm. uh, it's very adult subject matter. But no, this one, it definitely was a thinker. I was really confused. Mm -hmm. I, I admitted to you earlier that I, I read up the Wikipedia page afterwards to uh -huh. see just to read their plot points that they had written out to see if I had missed something. And then it made a little bit more sense to me. But yeah. overall, I did like it because it was a thinker. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So for all you guys out there that uh, have gone out of your, if you're going to go out of your way to check out this movie and you guys are a little confused, you can go on YouTube and just check out video essays of this movie to get a better understanding because it is very layered. There's a lot of things in this movie that could go either way. So I guess it's one of those that it's up to the viewer to tell you like what you think happens and stuff like that. And I, I enjoy movies like this, man, mm -hmm. very much uh, into that type of shit. Yeah. And all right, brother. So the next segment that we usually do is we get into the works of other people. Mm -hmm. However, I have never uh, or seen or have heard any of these uh, like voice actors in anything. Uh -huh. uh, this was the first film I ever watched from Satoshi Khan. So I don't really have anything to say about like any other work, only the fact that he did make a movie called Paprika. Mm. Right? Have you seen that movie, dude? No. Okay. Okay. So I'm I'm glad I brought this up, okay? Because I'll just give you a brief premise of what Paprika is about, okay? Okay. So apparently these people, there are people that go into dreams and they share the dreams of people and those people end up having nightmares of it, right? The only reason I bring this up, dude, is because it reminds me of Inception. Mm. And I need to remind you that you and I need to watch it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's I definitely... haven't forgotten, brother. We need to do in we need to watch Inception. Yeah, I know. It, All right, it's, brother? it's on my bucket list. Sounds good, man. <laughs> All right. So uh, what do you say, bro? I think it's time we give it that overall ranking, brother. Let's, let's do give, it. Let's give it its overall thoughts. You tell mm. me who wants to go first. You and I. You let me know. I'll go first. Mm-hmm. So this movie has been in my queue for a while, like many of the movies that we've done recently. Watching it, I was pleasantly surprised. It wasn't what I was expecting. The subject matter was pretty dark, but they handled it in an interesting way. It definitely confused me a lot. Mm -hmm. But overall, I enjoyed the animation. I really like these older Japanese animated movies. I know this was 1998, so it's not that old. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess in relative terms but yeah um i thought the voice acting was really well done the animation was great the story while disjointed in some parts was interesting overall i'm gonna give this one a seven out of ten good bro nice it's not quite elite for me but it's something that i could see myself going back and watching again just to probably pick up something that i missed because i yeah. for sure missed a lot yeah yeah, this definitely deserves uh, a few viewings. Mm -hmm. But then I'll get into why I gave it the score I'm going to give it. All right? Okay. So I'm going to give you my overall thoughts. Uh, again, this was a mindfuck of a movie that kept me on my toes. Uh, very layered. I thought they did a, uh, an excellent job as far as the transitions goes and doing a good job at not knowing what was reality and what was inside Mima's head. Uh, definitely did not expect how dark it was going to be. 
as far as like nudity, rape scenes and just fucking crazy ass murdering in it. You know, I almost like really do not want to go into any other movies blind like I did into this one. Mm. I'd rather know what it's about as far as a premise before I dive into a film. Um, I very much liked, you know, I'm a sucker for Requiem for a Dream. So anytime there's like any reference there or I would say Requiem for a Dream took it from them. You know, mm, yeah. but anything, if there's ever a connection there, I'm always going to enjoy it. But overall, brother, six and a half stars out of 10. And here's nice. why. All right. If I go back and I say, is this rewatchable? I'm going to say not really because of how dark it is, you know. Mm. But then there's also that 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 part of me where I, w- I want to go like, uh, well, I need to rewatch it for the sake of wanting to know more of this movie. But I'm never going to go out of my way and be like, oh, you know what, dude? Fucking Perfect Blue sounds like a great movie to watch right now. <laughs> yeah, that's You know what I'm true. saying? So I had to dock it uh, half a point right there, half a star. So I ended up, I was going to go initially with a seven, but then I was like, nah, six and a half stars for me, brother. Okay. And for all of you out there, if you're new to this podcast, okay, the ranking system of the beers are five stars. The ranking system for the movies are 10 stars. However, eight stars and above is elite range it's dominator range hence the number eight on my name dominator so eight is an a seven is a b six is a c so on and so forth you get the point so if you're thinking that i gave this a b no this is a c and more more than not it's like a c plus you know but uh i think that's a fair uh grading on my point what do you (laughs) say brother yeah, that's good. Uh, when you said that, I know it, it made me remember that scene from Tommy Boy when he's mm-hmm. looking at his grades and he's like, <laughs> D plus, I passed. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, that part is like, you know, some people do go to college for seven years, Richard. He's like, yeah, they're called doctors. <laughs> Yeah. He's like, what was it, Tommy, about a shade under a decade? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Good shit right there, brother. Mm-hmm. Oh, by the way, Nick, the good brother Nick, he's a big fan of Tommy Boy, so I know he's laughing his ass off watching this. <laughs> yeah. We've talked about that all the time. Yeah. But, yeah, so, so Nick, here's a cheers to you, my friend. Cheers. Cheers. Swig for the good men right here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we're going to end it right there. So, for all of you that took the time to check out this review, thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy day. Please join us next week. We got a special one next week, right, brother? Yes, we do. And that is because it's my birthday week and we're going to do a pick of one of my favorite films of all time. And we're not going to do like a like a beer association, nothing. It's just what I want, the movie I want to review, the beer I want to drink. So just please go out for that. And if you check the the episode for next week, I'll count that as a happy birthday wish, okay? So please do that for me. All right. So we're going to end it right there, man. So cheers to all of you. Much love to all of you. Remember to be kind to one another. Love you all so much. And peace. See you later. Thank you again for joining us to the very end. Please join us next week for my birthday episode as we review one of my favorite films of all time. That movie is Arrival, a film directed by Danny Villeneuve. So please go out of your way to watch the movie and then join us for the discussion portion of the show. Love to all and bottoms up.